Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your precious word. As we go into your word this morning, empower me and enlighten our eyes, the eyes of understanding. And Lord, we just pray that we'll have revelation knowledge, we'll grasp what it is that you have for us this morning and we'll run with it, Lord, that your kingdom might be extended in the wonderful name of Yeshua. Amen. Praise God. I'd like us to turn to a scripture we know well in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. And we're going to be reading from verse 17. Right, so that's Luke, chapter 5, verse 17. Now it happened on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by. He had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Do you see that? The power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, they brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him, and they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd. They went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Yeshua. When he saw their faith, he said to them, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Yeshua perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven you, or to say rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. That's a wonderful thing to see, isn't it? A man who you know has been paralyzed his whole life consigned to begging and just scraping through. What a life, lying on a pallet, lying on people to carry you all over the place. That must be terrible. And here he is in the synagogue, thanks to the dedication of his friends. It's good to have good friends like that. Amen. And those friends, their faith carried him through. They brought him and the Lord healed him. All right. Pick up your bed and go home. Wow. But you see, it says there very clearly, the power of God was present to heal. You see that? The power of God was present to heal. Now, it mentions the scribes and the Pharisees. Let me ask this question. Do you think any of those scribes and Pharisees might have had some form of sickness? We don't know. It doesn't say. I mean, but the chances are, people being people, that they might have had ailments, sicknesses, maybe serious, maybe less serious. All right. What we do know is that the Bible does not mention any of them being healed. Amen. None of them were healed. It doesn't say that. Now, if the power of God is present to heal, people are getting healed. This man that was lame in particular. And there's something I want to just focus on. The title of this message is the right approach. The right approach. I'm sure every one of us here will agree that any endeavor 
the success or otherwise of it depends to a large extent on your and my approach. Am I right? The way you approach something is going to determine the outcome. I'll be very honest, when I went to university, my approach was wrong. <laughs> what drew me to the Cape was the wine route and the beaches. Amen. I didn't look up and see, oh, you know, this faculty of law is the best in the country and they're good at that particular branch of law and that's where I'm going to practice one day and so I want to make sure I get that professor, you see. Didn't cross my mind. Had no clue what law actually was. Fortunately, otherwise I wouldn't have started. And when I found out, I realized I better get out as soon as possible. What I'm saying is that my approach in going to the university was completely wrong. Amen. Because of that, let me put it this way, I did not excel. I didn't get any distinctions. I was very happy to get a third, which is, you know, just, just getting over. And on odd occasion, I got a lower second, as they called it. Amen. But I crawled through, thank God. My attitude changed better on the way out. You have people at university, when they come with the right attitude, my goodness, they're in the library studying, they, they really do well, you see. And it's not so much one's more intelligent than the other. It's got everything to do with attitude, you see. And you can apply it to life. I'm sure you've all heard the phrase, your attitude determines your altitude and all that stuff. And so I'm not going to bore us with those thoughts. But what I want to say is this, that when it comes to the things of life, your and my attitude makes all the difference. If you approach life with zest and joy, it's going to be a joy. As a school teacher, those of you who have taught will know what I'm talking about. The big difficulty is to get your students to have the right attitude. Once they've got the right attitude, it's much easier to teach them. Am I right? Much easier. You see, the people that come in there, the kids that just want to get it done and they're not really interested. It's hard to teach them because they just haven't got the right approach. However, if you can manage somehow to get the student to enjoy the subject, you've got it made as a teacher. And with history, one was able to do that to a large extent. But you see, this issue of how you and I approach things is really, really important. General rule, the right approach produces the right results. But obviously the question is now, what is the right approach? Amen. What is the right approach? And we can't deal with every situation because every situation is different. Amen. Some things, the way to approach them is to turn away and run. That's what the Bible says to young men when they are accosted by ladies who don't have very good intention. Amen. What must you do in that situation? You know what the Bible says? Run. <laughs> the best approach is to disapproach, if I can put it that way. Amen. Very good advice. But you see, every situation is different. How you approach your work, your personal habits, whatever. But you see, what we want to talk about here is how do we, children of God, successfully approach Him and the things of God? Amen. And from this scripture here, what I want us to pick up is that, you see, those scribes and Pharisees, they were in the presence of Almighty God. Were they not? 
just like the man that came through the roof. They were in the same presence of the healing power of God. Let me tell you, we've been watching a lot of these crusades and when you see the healing power of God manifest, it's such a beautiful thing. It's something we hunger for. It's so beautiful to see people being healed. One beautiful story in this crusade in Columbus, Ohio, Benny Hinn is preaching and as he does while they're worshipping, so many people get healed. And the one healing was this elderly lady who had been in a wheelchair and she stood up and got out of her wheelchair. But you know, the beautiful story about it was, next to her on the stage was a young man, 10 years old. Do you know that that young man, it was her grandchild, he was her grandchild, and she explained the story. At home, he said to her granny, we need to get you to the crusade. We must get you to the crusade. And you know what he did? She said, we have got nobody to push me. I'll push you. Ten-year-old boy, I'll push you. And if you know those auditoriums, they're massive. It's not just like pushing somebody into here. It's going through the crowds. He pushed his grandmother right down, right down. She's a heavy lady too. And there he is. And on the stage there, she tells the story. And you can see that this young man comes almost like overwhelmed with the presence of God. Overwhelmed with the presence of God. And Benny laid his hands on him and trusted God to impart that healing anointing on him one day. Beautiful to see that, isn't it? But in the presence, you just see healings take place. A young lady, her one ear was totally healed, and the other eye, she damages a child with a knife, totally healed. And she was so ecstatic. One lady with spina bifida in a wheelchair got out and she started to jump and dance and praise and the joy on everybody's face. The power of God present to heal. Isn't that beautiful? It's so precious to God. You see, and in this environment, in this synagogue of old, here the power of God is present to heal. But guess what? Sitting there are people who have come to do what? They've actually come to try and find fault. Amen? They've come to criticize. They've come to see how they can catch him so that they can have a good reason, a justifiable reason to destroy him because they hated him. They were so jealous. You see, you're either on the side of the power of God present to heal or you're against it. Amen? And in this church, we are for it. Can you all say amen? amen. Lay it on us, O Lord. Lay it on us, however, whenever we want that. You understand? But my point is this. Because of their wrong attitude, what did they receive? Nothing. Can you see that? They received nothing. Even though they were in exactly the same environment where there was power to raise somebody literally from almost death. Now you see, the point I'm trying to make is this, that you and I, when we approach the things of God, our attitude is so critically, critically important. There was a stage in my Christian walk, the early days, where I never saw any miracles taking place. And I had a, almost like an attitude about it. I'll be very honest with you. I had like an attitude. I was almost like cynical. I used to be a very critical person. Very critical. And thank God, he's setting me free from that. But 
I didn't realize how important healing was to God. Amen. Passed me by. In this whole Christian walk, I thought, that's quite nice. I didn't really grasp me. Why? Because I was healthy. I didn't. You know what I'm saying? I didn't have issues in my life. I didn't understand what people go through. You see, and once you start to understand these things, you realize God loves people. And that's why healing is almost first on his agenda. Did you know that? Yes, he wants people saved. But can I tell you something? The key to getting people saved very often is what? Physical healing. Amen? Physical healing. If he's healed my body, he can heal my soul, don't you think? And if he's good enough to do that for me, a sinner, what can I do but to say, thank you, I'm yours? That's how God works on earth. But you see, I had this negative attitude. And you see, looking back now, I realized why I wasn't in the presence of miracles. I didn't see them happen. Do you understand? Do you know why? Because I would take that negativity into a situation and make it very difficult for God to actually move. Did you know that? You see, I was hindering God because of the wrong approach. You see, the wrong approach. There's one Baptist minister. Now this gentleman, sad to say, has suffered from spina bifida, which you might know affects the spinal cord and all that. And he's been consigned to a wheelchair his whole life. And he's quite well known in Baptist circles as being very, very critical of all these healing crusades. And he speaks about how he's gone to these crusades and look, and he says, these miracles are all bogus. Amen? Why is that? Can you understand what's happening here? He's so twisted in his mind to accept the way he is. All right? And he says, the greatest gift God gave me. This is how twisted his mind is. The greatest gift, apart from my salvation, is that I'm in a wheelchair. You'll notice this man, once he gets healed, that's when he praises God. Amen? Am I right? How much more glory to God would this man bring if he was healed? But let me just say this. The approach which is, God can't heal me. It can't be true. You understand? Limiting God to your own intellect. Do you know how that interferes, if I can put it that way, with God's healing flow? Amen? You see, if you have that attitude, let me tell you, he can be seated right next to a mighty miracle, and you'll say, no, there's some explanation for it. You understand? What I'm trying to get at is, you see, if you and I want to experience the miracle-working power of God, the reality of God in our daily life, which is what Christianity is supposed to be. Did you know that? We are supposed to be experiencing His relevance and His reality on a daily basis. The easiest thing as a Christian is to fall short of that and to end up putting God in a box. Theological box. Intellectual box. Open the box sometime on Sunday and when you finish put it back. That's not Christianity. He wants to be alive every minute in our lives. I'm trusting God for the day when the Lord Yeshua steps out of the spirit realm and into this lounge right here and into everybody's heart. Hallelujah. That's what we're believing for in this place. Have an encounter with the living God. But you see, what's the key? And this is what I want to express this morning. What is the right approach to the things of God? 
from a Christian's point of view. Can I just put it in one word? Yes, we must be reverent. Yes, we must be honorable. Yes, we must have a pure heart and all these things. Yes. But can I tell you the key ingredient to receiving from God? The key ingredient is one word, expectancy. Amen? Expecting to receive. Hallelujah. You see, when you and I read the Bible, and we say, well, I've got to do my Bible study, let me get it done. That Bible study might be beneficial as far as your intellectual mind is concerned. But let me tell you, it will do nothing for your spirit. However, if you and I approach the Bible expecting God to speak to you and I, amen, thirsting for him to say something, let me tell you, that Bible study will take on another dimension altogether. Amen? It works in our prayer time as well. If you and I say, oh, well, I've got to do my 10 minutes prayer, um, how shall I go about it? My Father in heaven, hell be Bless my mother, bless my father, my uncle, aunt, brother, sister. Bless the church. Everybody's hungry, get some food to eat, and, uh, you know, wrapped it up. Mm. Finished. Finish it all. Done my prayer. Take it off. Good Christian. Hmm. We've all done that. But you see, you're missing. And I'm missing the point. We're missing the point. When you and I start to pray, expect to meet with him. Are you hearing me? Expect to meet with the living God. Sometimes I sit on that stair for hours in the middle of the night. What am I doing? Waiting for the second coming. <laughs> Waiting for the sun to rise so I can have breakfast. Waiting for that moment in time when I can make a nice strong cup of coffee. And that's all good, by the way. But let me tell you, what am I waiting for? I'm waiting for him. Amen? I'm waiting for that presence of his. By the Holy Spirit. You see, we do it by the Holy Spirit. And in a sense, I'm not happy with my prayer time until it's happened. Amen? Until it's happened, I'm not happy. I want to get to grips with my God. I have to get to grips with my God. I don't have a choice. You see, and neither does anyone of us here have a choice, really. But can you see, what's the difference? That prayer meeting comes alive. And God starts to speak things. Amen? Why? I expected him to come. Amen? I expected him to pitch up. It made all the difference. It makes all the difference. And let me just say in closing, that needs to be your and my approach when we come to worship God. The gathering of the saints. I was saying to our musicians, we mustn't regard the service on Sunday as a service. Amen? A service. It's not, it's not a ritual. It's not like a set time we go there and we just go through the rigmarole and okay, that's the song we'll sing there and blah, 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 do the offering. Blah, blah. No, no. We must get that out of our thinking. We must stop thinking like that. When we come to the meeting, the gathering of the saints, we must look upon it as an encounter. Amen. An opportunity for an encounter. An encounter with the living God. I don't know how to put it any way than that. 
And I can't flick a switch and change all of our hearts and make us change. But I'm encouraging us. I'm sowing the seed. You see, when you and I come to a service or a gathering, the gathering of the saints, be it a Bible study, be it a prayer meeting, be it the assembly of the saints, if we come expecting God to do something, amen? Expecting God to manifest. If we can all do that, if we can all do that, what will happen? God will pitch. Amen? God will pitch. And we won't go away from this place thinking, oh, well, that was quite an interesting sermon. Quite nice music. I like that song, not that one so much. And, oh, you know, it's all nice fellowship. And somebody bought a lovely cake. Oh, praise God. And uh, we remembered because of the, the chocolate cake. No, no. To go from the service shaken, shaken, having met with the living God, having had our needs met, our sicknesses healed, the answers to our questions, amen, the encouragement of his presence in our lives, the impartation of his glory. There's been meetings where people have gone from them and this one lady explained how she went to the garage on the way home, went into the foyer of the garage, as it were. And she wasn't aware of anything in particular, and everybody was stepping back. And she said, what's wrong? Something wrong with my hair, do And they just said, ma'am, we just see some light over you. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Amen? You see, there's supposed to be an impartation in our mind. But that impartation of God will not take place if we have this attitude, oh, well, let's see how good it is. We come with the attitude of, oh, you know, intellectualizing everything. We come with this mindset of, well, let's see what happens and maybe it will or won't. You understand? Or let's just get it done. Let's go through the motions. Let's tick off the box, been to church, done my church stuff. Maybe it felt a little bit better because our conscience is assuaged. You see, that attitude will result in that result. I mean, just to maybe feel a bit better about life. But we won't be changed. We won't be changed. And that's what God wants, for you and I to come expecting. If everybody can come expecting, let me tell you, it just draws. It just draws on him. If you have the privilege of preaching amongst the black people, there's always that, I don't know how to put it, but that excitement about God, that hunger for God. And it's so easy to preach. I found myself in front of a whole sort of stadium almost. It wasn't massive, I don't, don't get me wrong. It wasn't like, you know, thousands. But it was quite a big stadium. The people that we'd been ministering to asked me to come and just speak to the black church as it was in that day. And these people were there. And I just rebuked all the demonic powers, you see. And I mean, in the past, we've had deliverances. It takes about three hours to guess and I get one little demon to scram sort of thing. I made this comment. Satan, I bind you in the mighty name of Jesus. And practically the whole crowd fell on the floor manifesting. Dear God, dear God, I never knew I was so good. <laughs> but let me tell you, one thing I did know, I was so tired. And I just said to my friends, I can't handle this. Let's just back up and get out of here. <laughs> Let them sort their demons out for themselves. Amen. No, they're all going. 
I don't know. I don't know. Let me just say something. Why could they just suddenly receive from a novice, really, I was a beginner. They were just hungry for God. Amen. And God used you, was available to meet their need, to feed them. Amen. I hope this is coming across. Brothers and sisters, we need to cultivate that in our souls. A hunger for the things of God. A hunger for an encounter, not with, how shall I say, a feeling, an encounter with Him. An encounter with Him. And I'm just trusting God that we'll grow in this. As we spend more time worshipping and focusing on Him every time we gather, that hunger will start to develop in our hearts. And we'll come to that place where He's able to manifest, and we could say of the service that we've just attended, the power of God was present to heal. Can you all say amen? Amen. Let's pray.